Hey, it's Liz Kelly. One Shiny Podcast will be touring from Friday, November 2nd to Wednesday, November 7th, where Tate, Titus, and nephew Kyle are traveling to Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky, Bloomington, Indiana, and Chicago, Illinois to tip off the college basketball season. You can find links to tickets on The Ringer's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. How you doing, DK? Man, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am great. Want to just dive into initial advice this week? Yeah, let's do this. All right, any odds at Batman music? Or... <laughs> All right, DK, who's your first Dark Knight of the Week, DK? All right, Marlon Mack of the Colts, uh, kind of taking over that backfield, obviously, now. Um, he's only 53% owned in ESPN, 55 in Yahoo, so he's out there in a lot of leagues. I think he's a must-add at this point. The Colts offense has kind of picked up some steam, obviously. Um, you know, they're sort of a un- they're a inconsistent, you know, unreliable offense at times. But uh, against a really good Bills defense this last week, they looked good. I mean, Luck, Luck's arm has been looking stronger. They had a very good run game, which was kind of missing from their offense over the last few weeks. Um Mac had 19 carries, 126 yards, a touchdown, added a couple of catches for 33 yards, another touchdown. He just looked better than anything that the Colts have had in that backfield. Um, and I think, you know, again, they're going to be in, I guess, passing game scripts probably most of the time, but he can still factor in on those in those games as, as a pass catcher. And so um, going up against the Raiders this week, I think he's a good buy option. Yeah, I feel that. Would you cut Hines going forward, or do you think that yeah. he's worth rostering still? I mean, you could. I guess you could if you have a, a, like a spot that you're not using, you can hold on to him just in case Matt gets hurt again or whatever. Because he's had, I believe it, it was a hamstring injury that kept him out a couple of games. But um, at this point, it, it looks like Mac is clearly the leader in that backfield. He had 37 snaps. Hines only 17. Wilkins 15. So I dro- We had Himes actually in the Ringer League, and we dropped him. I mean, at this point, that there's just not enough volume in that backfield to really make the backup guy worth rostering. I don't think. No, I agree, and I still am not huge that the Colts will ever have rushing that's consistent week to week, although Mac certainly seems great. People that I was very excited about actually before this Cooper trade and now feel even right, a little stronger. Right. Jalen Richard, not Richard, as I learned the hard way. Jalen Richard and Doug Martin. <laughs> no, I actually knew that one. So Marshall Lynch is injured. He has a groin injury, which is, yeah. <laughs> he has a groin injury and actually is actually a consideration to go on injured reserve, believe yeah. it or not. So... Doug Martin, who obviously was with the Bucks for a long time, is in theory maybe the better person situated to take some of those rushing carries. But Richard has just been, as full-time Craig noted, just an absolute safety valve for Derek Carr, who has been targeting all over near the line of scrimmage. Uh, that old way we thought of Jarvis Landry and catching all his passes around the line of scrimmage. It's basically what Derek Carr does all the time. This is amazing if you look at his game charts on next-gen stats. It's just yeah. all just sprayed right around the line of scrimmage. And... Richard's just going to catch a ton of passes. He's already playing about 36% of snaps. Doug Martin was getting 13, and Marshall Lynch was about 50. So even Richard just gets like like 50 or even a third of the percent of what Lynch misses. He is actually probably a flex like every week. He's been super consistent, I think more than eight points, like four of the six weeks he's played. And it's so it's so high floor, and if that if he just gets the snap increases, I think he's a super safe bet. So I would definitely want him, and I want him over Doug Martin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean— in a PPR league especially, I think he is a must-add at this point because, I mean, the Raiders are not going to be jumping. It doesn't seem like the Raiders are going to be jumping out to many early leads and then, like, coasting on their 
on their run game. They're going to be passing a lot. They're going to be behind. And I think that's exactly when Richard has been a factor for the Raiders this year. And like you said, the, the floor is that he's going to get like six or seven targets every game. And so, yeah, I like him going forward. I mean, he's obviously not going to be a top guy. He's not going to be as good as Lynch, I don't think. But in a PPR league, he has a value just because, like you said, that offense is just so check down heavy. Um, they can't protect uh, Carr. And I think he's just relying on those outlets out of the backfield a lot. So um, moving over to the 49ers. This is again a an offense that's in flux, and we you know early in the season we liked uh, McKinnon, and then we liked uh, Brita, and now Brita's hurt again. So Brita came in last week uh, off an injury, re hurt his ankle. Um, going forward, I think that's something to monitor. It sounds like it could be a multi week injury. We don't know for sure yet, but Morris, Alfred Morris behind him has not been effective. So Raheem Mostert is kind of the next guy to pick up in that offense. It's the actually Mostert. Mostert. Oh, yeah. Is no, that I true? have no that's idea. Not. I think it's Monster. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Shanahan's going to run the ball. I mean, that's not going to change. That offense is is a heavy run and, and then run and run and throw on play action type of offense. And so I think he's actually going to be, a, at least for the short term, a, a viable starting option for some people if they're looking for some running back help. He's looked pretty fast. I mean, he's a former track star, elusive guy. Uh, last week, he had 22 snaps. Morris had 20 snaps. Brita had five snaps, but he had uh, seven rushes, 59 yards, caught four, t- four balls for 19 yards. That was when they were way behind trailing the Rams. Um, going up against the Cardinals this week, it's much, much better matchup. Um, I think he could have some volume. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely a pickup this week. Yeah, I don't know. Most there, most start, most start. I don't know, but the Niners need a restart, and Alfred Morris is a free agent at the end of the year, and he's old, and I don't know. And most there what... is a must start. <laughs> exactly. Ah, <laughs> wow. It was wow. right there for the look. That's why he got hired. That's why he <laughs> got hired. Craig. But yeah, I don't see why if a young guy's outperforming old ass Alfred Morris, why Morris would outplay him. It doesn't really make sense. I think the further down the stretch we go, the less relevant Morris will be, even if Brady's hurt. Moving on. I'm so excited for this. Like, this is like joy. This is like candy. (laughs) As many people probably know, the Patriots are playing the Bills on Monday Night Football. And I saw, so the Pats defense and special teams is owned in half of leagues, a little bit less, depending where you look. And the Patriots are going to take on Nathan Peterman and or Derek Anderson on (laughs) Monday Night Football. Uh, I think we heard Derek Anderson as the starter. Anderson, all right. Well, I mean, they said that last week. on Twitter. How yeah. long did it take into this Bills game before it, Peterman started warming up? It, this is just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Anderson's basically been on the team for three weeks, and there was a coup internally because they were so worried about what would happen if they played Peterman again. And But as Aaron Schatz, speaking of last names I can't get right, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders pointed out, uh, he tweeted, congrats to the Buffalo Bills who have <laughs> the worst offensive DVOA, which is efficiency per play, ever tracked through seven games. And by a lot. <laughs> the I think that goes back into like the late 80s. I can't remember exactly when the first year they started doing DVOA, but yeah, it's been several decades. It's the worst offense ever, you could argue, through seven games. <laughs> As full-time Craig pointed out, Todd Gurley has seven more points than the Buffalo Bills this year. Um, <laughs> I can't really think Who of something. Who could have seen this coming? If you, The fun part about this is it doesn't really matter how many fantasy points you're down going into your matchup. If you were down 30 points going to Monday Night Football and you're the Pats defense, you're, you got this. You, you really will never feel out. So pick up the Pats day. The MVP of the fantasy season so far has been streaming whoever the Bills are playing, streaming that defense. 
I think I've done that the last couple of weeks in a couple different leagues for the Colts and the Texans, and yeah. I got like 20 points full times. It's so it's, it's tr- just like printing money. Especially because the only one they screwed up was against the Vikings, which were definitely owned in your league. Right. Um, so yeah, I like this. This is a... Uh, this is an every week, I think, yeah. uh, you know, thing. Just follow whoever the Bills are playing and pick up that defense, and, and that's who you stream that week. One last guy this week, Danny Amendola, the Dolphins. This is, uh, he's had a couple of really strong weeks, actually, in a row. 11 targets, 8 catches, 59 yards in week 6. 7 targets, 6 catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown last week. He played 55 out of 56 snaps last week. The Dolphins are just really banged up. Albert Wilson, who I was getting... Excited about kind of going forward, just the way he was able to um, pick up yards after the catch. He's out indefinitely, potentially for the rest of the season. Um, Kenny Stills is hurt now. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Um, they get the Texans this week. Devontae Parker's on the trade block slash in the doghouse. He was inactive last week. He's going to play this week, but I think that uh, Brock Osweiler probably trusts Amendola. And he's run most of his routes out of the slot. 81% of his snaps in the last two weeks come from the slot per pro football focus. 63 routes out of the slot. Next closest guy in that category is Albert Wilson with nine. So he's he's getting the vast majority of their slot looks. And that is a route I think that uh, Osweiler is going to lean on going forward. And so he's a kind of sneaky, you know, flex type of guy. And um, until uh, at least until the Dolphins kind of figure out what they're doing with their receiver position. Part, you see Devontae Parker's agent called Adam Gase incompetent. Probably not going well. <laughs> things, yeah, things that's, are that's, going that's, great. That's a good one. Process yeah. of elimination. And then someone asked Gase if they were playing Parker this week. And Gase is essentially like, well, we don't have anyone else, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that it. note. <laughs> Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Football season is underway, and DK already has major regrets about his season-long fantasy teams. I'm sure many of you feel the same way if you took DK's advice. It's just rude. We spent all off-season researching and getting excited for the draft, and then comes the pain, which is why we're so excited to be playing on FanDuel this season. Over at FanDuel, you'll get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. We've been playing in the Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week. It's a free contest where all you need to do is pick winners, no spreads, and then $10,000 to split amongst the top pickers. Trust me, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. Plus, new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with us at FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. That is FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. All right, DK, uh, we're going to run through a little waiver wire lightning round right now. Um, right. Obviously, you know, we don't know your guys' leagues listening right now quite as well as you do about whether someone's worth picking up, throwing in your lineup, or just keeping an eye on, on your waivers. But we have thoughts. We definitely have a lot of thoughts right now <laughs> after a um, couple injuries on Sunday and then this Amari Cooper deal. So uh, should we start with that Amari Cooper deal, DK? Yeah. So what's the, what is the fallout here? I think obviously... Um, their offense takes a big hit. You're you're taking a talented player out of it, but someone's got to pick up the slack. I think Jordy Nelson's at this point likely, you know, I think, what was he, 60 or 70% owned at this point, so he's not necessarily going to be out there to pick up. He's the guy that might get a little boost in the fantasy world because of that. I think Martavis Bryant is another one that could be worth a speculative ad at this point just based on the fact that, you know, they're going to be passing and, um the Raiders, you know, they're going to be behind and they're going to be passing. And so potentially Bryant has that upside. He's kind of like a another one of these, um, you know, touchdown dependent deep threats that that could kind of pop at any point. But he's 
a deep, deep flex option, I think, going forward. Um, I'm probably not going to be picking him up in any leagues, but I think he is the guy that kind of you kind of circle for. Um, you know, if you're not, if you're already talking, we already talked about Jalen Richard, but if if past that, I think Brian could be the guy. Yeah, I'm not super sold that there will be a replacement in Oakland's lineup actually worth playing. Um, yeah. Bryant might be that guy, but I would be shocked if you pick him up this week and then two weeks from now he's totally worth. I mean, think about how stuff. frustrating it was to to roster Amari Cooper. I mean, we've talked about that all year. Like, exactly. Just, I don't think Bryant is going to give you much confidence on on game day. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's not like people are super relying on Cole Beasley or anything in Dallas. So, <laughs> um, but flipping this this devastated me uh, as someone relying on. So Sony Michelle obviously injured his leg on Sunday. He was carted off. It was. It's not as considered as serious as it seemed. It seems mm-hmm. he's week to week with um, an MCL issue as opposed to being out for the year, which is relatively good news. In his place, uh, Ken John Barner played. He had 10 carries for 36 yards with Michelle out. Um, they don't really have backups at the moment because obviously right. Jeremy Hill and Burkett are out for the year. They, I kind of just think they'll sign Mike Gillisley, who's been hanging around them, and they've just been like in contact for three weeks like doing a, a dance. I really think Gillisley will be on the roster by the time Sunday comes around. Either one of these guys is super worth uh, a roster, maybe even flexing if they play just because even 70% of what Sony Michelle was doing is so valuable. Um, and I'm not, I really think their matchup independent uh, in terms of the Patriots running game, uh, even if you're not nearly as good, the, the volume they were getting is crazy. Um, I think James White now, even if he picks up just marginally better, is hugely more valuable. He's definitely a top 10 guy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Barnard Gilsley is definitely worth grabbing. Yeah, I think I, I looked it up yesterday. In the g- three games before last week, the Patriots are averaging like 34 rush attempts per game. And obviously, Sony Michelle was getting the lion's share of those. And then James White was sort of the the pass catching back, the secondary option or whatever, the complimentary piece. Obviously, I mean, James White has been a top 10 running back in, in fantasy this year. But um there's just no backup on the on that roster in the same mold as Michelle, and so yeah, I think Gillisley, he might be an option worth picking up, even before he gets signed. I don't know when they're going to sign him, but um, Gillisley just, I mean, Gillisley was super talented. Was I think the number one rusher by DVOA in 2016? Got just planted on New England's bench after a fumble, and for yeah. no reason, just hasn't really played football since. We don't really know what went on there. Uh, it's he got didn't he get wouldn't picked be shocking up by the Saints if he was and really good and then got cut. Yeah. Wouldn't be shocking <laughs> if he was really good. Um but it also he might just do literally nothing. Uh on the flip yeah. side, another guy got hurt on Sunday. DK, you wanna talk about that? Yeah, LaShawn McCoy, um, it didn't look good. It was like his ankle, leg, and then also he injured his head on the play. He could be out for an extended period of time. Um Chris Ivory's the next man up. I mean, and and we're talking about we already talked about how the Bills Offense is just absolutely atrocious. But I mean, if you're looking for, if you're desperate for a flex option, running back or whatever in a bye week, Ivory, you could do worse than Ivory, I think. 13 rushes, 81 yards last week, six uh, targets, three catches, 25 yards. So I mean, he's had a little bit of production. Um, but, but again, I mean, I, I'm mostly staying away from this. This Bills offense is just historically bad. They can't move the ball. They play in the Patriots this week. Um, there are certain levels of fantasy confidence you can give, and you could do worse. Is <laughs> wraps up. Like, Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and play these guys that you want. And that's actually that's a good segue to the next um, next player I got in mind, Kelvin Benjamin. Um, he was kind of a popular 
late round pick, I think, before the season, just based on the fact that he was going to be the number one receiver in that option or in that offense. He still is the number one receiver. Um, but obviously, over the first few weeks, like their offense was just a mess. Josh Allen was terrible. Uh, Nathan Peterman only throws picks. Uh, with Derek Anderson, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity there between Benjamin and Anderson. They both played together before. Um, he he's actually been targeted 11 times, six catches, 114 yards in the last two weeks. Last week he had four for 71. So again, I mean, it's like one of those things where you can do worse potentially. You know, there's always the goose egg potential, but he is the number one guy in that passing offense. And so, you know, if they're playing from behind against the Patriots, which they're almost you know, surely to be doing this week, then there's some volume potential there. So I'll, I'll say that. I'm not picking him up, but there's some volume potential. Bunk from The Wire and Omar once had a conversation where they agreed that a man must have a code. And, you know, obviously we deal with numbers <laughs> here, but there also has to just at some point be about pride. And if I'm relying on Kelvin Benjamin in You're my in lineup, shave. Yeah. Um, you have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> um, I literally draw it. Now, there's a cool question of where is the line go? For me, literally it's Kelvin Benjamin. That's the line. Put it right there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> won't enough. do it. Can't do it. Uh, can't coach him. Uh, next for me, uh, Ronald Jones on the Bucks. Um, plugged him potentially as a sleeper in case uh, Peyton Barber lost the job. Dirk Cutter then promptly reiterated Peyton Barber has the job. And then Peyton Barber got hurt at the end of the game this week against well, the Browns. And it looks like that's what happened. So that's yeah, the thing. We're Dirk, still waiting. But. Exactly. So Dirk Cutter was asked how injured he is. He says, we'll release an injury report on Wednesday. <laughs> Probably he's fine. There's certainly a chance that it's actually serious and they're hiding it or whatever. And well, I guess not hiding it, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, on that off chance, it might be worth rostering him. Possibly if you have like a very end of the waiver thing and all the good ones are going to get snatched up. Maybe on the off chance, uh, Barbara's hurt. Otherwise I probably feel Barbara has this job unlocked though. Sadly. Yeah. So Barbara's snap counts have gone down every week. So, um, there's maybe this thought that the the torch is being passed to, to Jones. Obviously, Jones was a second-round pick. The team invested quite a bit in him. Um, the reports during training camp in the preseason were all super negative, but he's managed to work his way onto the field. He had 29 snaps last week. That's actually third among the Buccaneers uh, running backs. Barbara at 35, Chuckwiz Rogers 30, and then Jones 29. But he had six carries, 13, yard, uh, 13 yards, and a touchdown. He caught a pass for 15 yards. Um, this is more of I think if you're going to pick him up, this is more of like a you know down the down the stretch type of pickup. I don't I don't necessarily I'm not playing him this week, um, but it is one of those things where he was highly drafted running back and um, you know the team invested a lot in him, so maybe they want to try and get him involved before before too long here. And the Bucks offense, to be fair, I mean he's not exactly a pass catcher. Uh, he didn't catch passes at USC. He's basically been a better receiver in the NFL in the very limited time he's played than he was in all of college. But the, I believe the Bucks are basically on pace with. The greatest show on turf, Rams. Yeah, which says more about the era we're in. But somebody to keep in mind when you think about the Bucks, they're literally on pace with Kurt Warner and Tory Holt <laughs> and Marshall Falk. So you know that's when I think of Peyton Barber, Ronald I Jones. think of Marshall Falk personally. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The <laughs> next for right. me, uh, I'm just gonna yeah, Geronimo Allison, a preseason love of mine. Uh, he's been out with a concussion for a few weeks. Um, he's been replaced by a name I certainly can't. Re- uh, MVS. Valdez Scantling. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. I got that. Yeah, there you go. Um, I think Al- if Allison comes back this week and is healthy and things look good on the practice report, it depends on injuries on Thursday and Friday. He's probably owned in your league, but if he got dropped, I, I would definitely add him back because he and- him and Rodgers have had a fantastic like rapport. Like I hate to always say this, but like James Jones-esque and kind of like mm. 
he really Full has course sweatshirts, hooded yeah, sweatshirts. <laughs> you well, James Jones used to wear a hooded sweatshirt oh, under, yeah. his, While he would under play. his pants. Oh yeah. Wow. Good call. <laughs> I was thinking how James Jones was the one who tweeted out the news. James Jones broke the news that Aaron Rodgers signed that deal. It wasn't Adam oh, yeah. Schefter or whatever. It was that, James yeah. Jones as the Packers beat reporter. <laughs> anyway, so what I'm saying is Geronimo Allison's going to be the next Packers beat reporter. And no, there's a certain threshold with Rodgers that you just have the rapport with him. And then on those things where he's doing the plays broken and he finds you, Geronimo has that. He's totally worth someone dropped him in your league. Um, I love Geronimo Allison. I think Cobb is on that level too. If Randall Cobb is dropped in your league at some point, I still think he's worth just a just a roll of the dice pickup because, like you said, there's just so much volume in that offense. Cobb, um, he he picked up 37 targets in three games he played this year. He's he's been hurt and coming back from that. I think it's a hamstring injury. Um, it's always a little bit iffy, but I think I would put Cobb and Allison in the kind of the same category of just you know speculative ad to see if it if it pans out. Maybe I'm just head over heels, and this is probably just grossly ignorant to say, but I think I'd actually take Geronimo the rest of the season over Cobb. That's probably just nuts. That's fair. That's um, fair. I, 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 I think they're just getting better. But we'll see. Well, again, it depends on how healthy he is and how he's recovered. Um, you got another receiver, DK? Yeah, Traquan Smith of the Saints. With Ted Ginn going to the IR, um, the number two receiver position in that offense is kind of up for grabs. Uh, Smith played 52 snaps last week. That was more than any other skill position besides Michael Thomas. Um He's caught six passes, 155 yards, and two touchdowns over last week. I was kind of quiet against the Ravens, um, but there's just the upside there in the in the sense that you're in that that uh, Drew Brees led passing offense, and, and you know if they're getting in a game where they're behind, they can throw the ball. So um, I think Smith, you know, he's he's owned only in 17 percent of uh, leagues right now, and so he is a at least pick up. I picked him up last week when I saw that Ginn went down. I'm going to hold on to him for a bit to kind of just see how it all pans out. But I like the uh, I like the upside there. No, I feel that 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 that's a popular guy. Who's your last guy? I have one here. I'm actually excited about this. I actually was very psyched to talk about this, and then full time Craig also recommended him, and it felt like destiny. He, all right, I'm just going to throw this one out here. <laughs> here are the NFL league leaders and targets this season. Uh, this is before Monday Night Football, but all the all the. The, all, the whole NFL. Number one is Adam Thielen with 89. Number two is Jarvis Landry with 82. Do you know who number three is, DK? Who? Zach Ertz is number wow. three in the entire league in targets at 78. Zach Ertz is Jeez. the number one receiver. If you heard from Michael Kendricks on Hard Knocks before he was arrested for insider trading, allegedly, um, on charges of. Um, <laughs> he was saying allegedly, that he's the number he one receiver. Guilty. Quote, he doesn't <laughs> want the smoke about Zach Ertz. But the point is, he's their number one receiver. His backup, Dallas Goddard, is owned in under 5% of leagues in Yahoo and ESPN. Dallas Goddard, who once again scored a touchdown this week, is just as much of a touchdown-dependent kind of gamble as Antonio Gates, Fulton Craig's middle school nemesis, Austin Hooper, um, <laughs> Uzoma, Uzoma, CJ, Uzoma, your beloved CJ Uzoma, which I, you name I can't say. Dallas Goddard is just as much of this kind of like boomer bust tight end that tight end has become. But if Ertz misses any time, Dallas Goddard's probably a top five guy, maybe better than Grok. I had uh, Nick Chubb stash in a few leagues this year, and when we saw that Carlos Hyde got traded, I was just like ecstatic. Yeah, obviously his first game was a little hit and miss, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just like the, these are the guys you stash if you have a spot you're not using. Like if no, you already I, have, no, your, I disagree. Your... I, I don't think you should have two tight ends at all, unless you somehow have two great tight ends. I think that if you have 
Antonio Gates or someone and they suck and you're just getting two or three or four points and it's so inconsistent. I'd rather have Dallas Goddard. What if you own Zach Ertz? Um, depends on your roster. I don't think you should live in fear necessarily, but it's certainly not a bad idea if you think you kind of have things on lock and you want to pick them up and just basically handcuff your tight end. I don't think I would do that with literally any other tight end. With him, I would do it. Um, if you have the spot. Yeah, but I also yeah. understand, I don't think that's like a must. But it, but it, it, it helps you sleep at night. It does yeah. help. Handcuffing's become super underrated. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of fell out of favor. You know, this whole analytical <laughs> generation. Around, full and the numbers don't. Yeah. You know what? Back in my day, fantasy football, I actually loved when Bill and Matthew Barry had on, on Bill's pod, and they were talking about, you know, I was doing <laughs> fantasy football in the 80s, and I was like, I forgot by they hand. had it in the 80s. Yeah, by hand. I'm like, wow, they used to be newspapers with box scores? Anyway, before we move on, let's take another quick break. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And so right now, my listeners can get, our listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL, R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, TK, for our last segment right here, we're just going to kind of riff a little bit because this spawned yeah. from just planning for the show and we kind of just had a little debate about who are the top running backs? You know, it's around the middle season. I think it's technically the mid middle season for most fantasy football regular season, week seven-ish. Right. And we're kind of just like, if we were going to reassess from the preseason and going forward, who are the top running backs? And that little conversation about, I think specifically Alvin Kamara and how you'd rank him. Um, so, What's your level of worry at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and that just really spun out to who, who's your top 10 right now. So DK, how, what are your tiers right now? I think obviously... I mean, you put Gurley at the number one. He's like clearly the number one uh, fantasy player. And then Melvin Gordon, before he got hurt, was was really kind of close in that in that stratosphere. And then I'd say, I'd so I'd say those guys are are the clear tier ones. And then going from there, I mean, if you're just looking at the rankings right now, it's like this. And, and this is for half PPR. Um, James Conner has been super consistent. Alvin Kamara. Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt. I probably actually maybe move Kareem Hunt. No, again, this is probably recency bias, but Kareem Hunt like might be ahead of some of those guys going forward because the Le'Veon Bell thing clouds Connor. Elliott's been sort of hit and miss week to week. Um, so, but the way that the, the Chiefs are using Hunt, I think maybe puts him up like in that Barkley stratosphere. Where, where are you with everybody? So I don't really believe in rankings. To, I mean, this is probably a bad thing as a podcast host. I don't really believe in rankings, or at <laughs> least they're not so useful as much as I believe strongly in tiers. And yeah. the way I think of it is I'll slot however many guys into a tier. And basically, I don't really care the way that you would order those people. Um, 
Yeah. But I as know, long that, as you that agree that sense. those are people, and, and then generally, you're just trying to generally get the right so that you have the right grouping. That's I strongly believe that way about going to pre-draft. So right now, for example, I think Gurley is in his own tier, and it's another way of saying he's an undisputed he's number one un- right now. untradeable too, probably, Exactly. Right? And after him, I think I would put Saquon... I, I, Saquon and Melvin Gordon are super safe in the second tier. Mm-hmm. You could probably convince me one of them is better than the other. I think they're solidly in the second tier, though. Um, if James Conner was going rest of the season, I might even put him in there, but obviously he's not, right. so it's not a question. And I guess the question really is, who's in that second tier? You got Melvin Gordon, Saquon. Um, Zeke Elliott's gotten a lot of carries, but not really being maximized, not having an interesting season. I don't, I don't know if I'd yeah. put him there. Kareem Hunt, so... Would you cut off the second tier there at Saquon and Gordon? I kind of think I would. And then I think I'd throw Alvin Kamara, Elliott, and Kareem Hunt into that third tier. Maybe yeah. even James White. And I think that's really the crux of it. Is, is Kamara in that third tier or second? And then what the hell yeah. do you do with Le'Veon Bell? Well, I think a lot of people are worried about Kamara. And so like let's just let's look at let's look at Kamara, you know, through the lens of like what is his upside next this like through the end of the season. So Last year, and this is a totally different season, so it's not necessarily applicable for this year, but through seven weeks last season, uh, Kamara had 34 rushes, 215 yards, a touchdown, 28 catches, 209 yards, and a touchdown. Um, That was 82 points for PPR, and he was averaging 10 touches a game. Um, Ingram, through those first seven weeks, had 95 PPR points. He was averaging 18.8 touches a game. So he was clearly the lead back. Kamara was kind of the the secondary option or whatever. And, the, and then through weeks 8 through 17, Kamara scored 238 points in PPR, which was first by far. Um, and that was only on <laughs> 13. That was only on 13.9 touches a game. So he was actually still getting out-touched by Ingram in the second half in, from weeks 8 through 17. Who and, and Ingram actually finished fifth in PPR points. So I'm just looking at this Saints offense. There's so much... Um, it's just such a huge pie to split up. I mean, even if Ingram, even if Ingram <laughs> and Kamara <laughs> continue on, because like basically everyone's freaking out about Kamara. Um, you know, getting like in week seven, he got uh, out snapped by Ingram, or he out snapped Ingram by only four, out touched him by five. Um, week six, obviously, the Saints featured Ingram a lot more than Kamara, and so I think people are freaking out about Kamara, talking about maybe trading him. Personally, I wouldn't do it just because I think, number one, like I said, there's just such a big piece of the pie um, for Kamara to have, even if it's in a time split. And he was just so, so efficient last year. Even if he's not um, to the level of efficiency last year, which was a historic level, even if he does Yeah, We we can't belabor that too much. We're kind of relitigating what the discussion was in the beginning of the year, which was Kamara literally had the best yardage per touch ever ever in NFL history (laughs) by, if you put in you know, minimum qualifications by such a crazy margin that regression was inevitable. And the question mm-hmm. wasn't whether he could keep that up, but whether the t- he would earn more touches when Ingram came back. Then, of course, he actually made us look stupid. And then without Ingram, basically kept up that insane pace. Now Ingram's come back and he has cut a little bit in. But even more interesting, the thing I don't know one except Roger Sherman of the Ringer saw coming, maybe Taysom Hill has actually really spelled Drew Brees more than I think we ever thought. I mean, he's making... I've never seen anyone spell Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, stay in the game, basically as a motioning tight end to block slash maybe take a read option and then make a special teams play and a kickoff like three out of like five plays. Um, (laughs) It's crazy actually how much he's factoring in the red zone and read options with like Mark Ingram. And 
I, I felt Kamara's so been he's say, eating into it a little bit too. Yeah, so that that's something we didn't see coming. So I guess I mean, if I offered you Kamara for Kareem Hunt, what would you say? Uh, man, see yeah, that's so tough. See, I yeah, think yeah. I would probably say no. Full time, Craig. You have Kamara on your main team, right? Mm-hmm. This is the one you care about the most. Yeah, I I would trade Alvin Kamara for Saquon Barkley for Kareem Hunt. Honestly, maybe even for Ezekiel Elliott. Just not Melvin really? Gordon and Todd Gurley, I think the only people who are untouchable. I just think that Kamara, I mean, right now with uh, uh, Mark Ingram, he's averaging 14 touches a game. And no matter how amazing he is, 14 touches a game can only get you so much. And all these other guys like Saquon and Zeke, and they're all averaging like 22 plus. Yeah. It's just a numbers game. I mean, talent-wise, he's probably better than everybody. But Craig, you made a good point in that if someone in your league loves Kamara and you have Kamara and you're wondering what to do, that the, the Kamara falling off from a top three back to a top 14, even a top 12 back, and you were able to flip him for someone, maybe a Melvin Gordon owner worried about this hamstring could actually be enough to deliver you a title. Maybe that's the most realistic one. Gurley, no one has Gurley's trading Gurley. I imagine no one knows Saquon really wants to trade Saquon. It's no. kind of really fun to own. Um, obviously, Connor and Bell is like a totally different world. Uh, but Melvin Gordon is probably super possible because, I mean, obviously Fournette has been plagued by hamstring all year, and if someone has Melvin Gordon, is terrified of that happening to Melvin Gordon. Um, I just think that Kamara's best-case scenario for the rest of the season with Ingram is probably what Kareem Hunt and Saquon are doing right now. And they have there's there's nothing threatening those And you can bump him down, but would you you trade him for Melvin Gordon, even with his hamstring injury? Yeah. Even if it lingers. Hmm. So here's here's where I would push back on... Purely looking at total touches per game, and obviously, Cream Hunt is a part of this this discussion. But um, not all touches are created equal. Like, thank you, DK. The Saints' offense is so much incredibly better than the Giants' offense that, like, or or the Cowboys' offense, for instance. Um, the reason I'm really high on Hunt going forward is because I mean, look at what he did with his touches on on Sunday night. I mean, it was like. They're getting him in space. They're doing like, you know, they're they're giving him these amazing screen opportunities, and, and like you don't see that with uh, with uh, Dak or or sorry with uh, Ezekiel Elliott or with, with Saquon Barkley. I mean, they're just like slamming him into the back of the offensive line and hoping he makes a miracle. And so, I mean, normally and in in most cases, I'd say just like follow the volume, but like just the Saints' offense is so good. They have such a good offensive line. They have such a good quarterback. They have so. Um, you know, such a good play caller that it's almost like I don't even care that Kamara's not touching it as much just because I think they can do so much more with it. No, I, I feel that. I'm, I'm I'm actually trying to throw together these tiers right now, actually, if we can agree to some fantasy tiers. We got Gurley at one. <laughs> Tier two, Melvin Gordon, Saquon, and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's on the on the cusp of it. I think you probably want to see him do it a few more weeks, um, you know, but I would say... Yeah, Gordon, Saquon. So we'll put I would him, still we'll, probably put Kamara in Tier 2. You think Kamara Tier 2? Okay, and then know. Tier 3 it's would tough. be, basically at that point, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I mean, RIP to Dalvin Cook and Fournette. So it's Ezekiel Elliott, Christian yeah. McCaffrey. James White. James White. Oh, I, I, I got James White firmly here. Maybe even heading the pack. And then from there, it gets really interesting. <laughs> I mean, now we have to talk about, in this conversation, um... Crowell fell off. R.I.P. to Yeldon. Not th- I wouldn't even put David Johnson yet. Um, you kind of suddenly have to talk about Adrian Peterson. Maybe, probably not. But no. uh, what do you do with Carlos Hyde? 
I downgrade him quite a bit going forward. I just think that, well, number one, Fournette's going to come back at some point in theory, um, unless we're missing something. Unless like he's just going to go to the IR, which I guess is possible, but um, they're going to have a three three headed you know monster in that backfield. Hyde was pretty inefficient in in Cleveland, and so not sure he can get more out of less touches in Jacksonville. We'll see, but um, I would put him. He was a, he was a pure volume. Yeah. Okay. So if I forced you to fill out this top 10 before we bounce, Gurley's one, and then the tier two fours Melvin Gordon, Saquon, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, and maybe even Hunt, Kamara in tier two and a half. Tier three is Zeke, McCaffrey, and James White. That's eight guys. Who's rounding out your top 10? Oh, man. This is tough. Or do you have to just build a tier four? And then who's in tier four? Yeah. There's a huge drop off at that point. It's like a cliff, kind of, right? I mean, I guess David Johnson probably deserves to go. Wait, where do we put James Conner? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about Well, actually, I guess this is interesting. I th- Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Le'Veon comes back after the trade deadline, signs, plays, doesn't get traded, stays with the Steelers, and then they give him both a lesser workload than he's ever had that is still more than almost anyone else gets, except for Saquon, Melvin Gordon, and Gurley. Um, so I think that Le'Veon is probably very quickly a running back one, and you know, probably is not as good off the bat quickly, but still doesn't matter. And then Connor will still have value. I bet Connor just will sub in enough that he'll still be a flex because he's talented enough. Nine, not to, 10 touches a game, I'm guessing. Yeah. And again, I want to stress that if this happens 10 times, Le'Veon Bill's straining his hamstring and missing three weeks, two of them. Hmm. I would not cut Connor under any circumstance, obviously. If Connor were to keep going, I'd put him actually in tier three. But I'm saying Le'Veon's probably t- along David Johnson tier four because we don't know if he's actually going to return. So Where David Johnson, put- Le'Veon, I guess. Where do you put Mixon? Because he's at he's missed a few games, but he's been averaging like seventeen points, half point uh, off the board. Point PPR off my board. Well, if, if right. you have to, if you do Mixon, yeah, I guess Mixon probably. Um, and then who else are we missing at this point? I mean, that's like it. And then there's a I would have well, Sony Michelle's injury actually really tosses this around because Sony Michelle actually I think is the guy really you'd have to have serious conversations about. And yeah. then Mark Ingram. I mean, he, that guy was the RB five right. last year. Ingram, right. Ingram, I think I'm bummed because he's he's definitely it seems. Taysom Hill's eating it to him, and I think Kamara's eating it to him as well. Uh, and then I wouldn't be surprised four weeks from now if we're all talking about how Carrion Johnson's a top 10 back. Also, Latavius Murray, if Dalvin, oh, Cook's, if Dalvin Cook's just out, every given week that Dalvin Cook's out, Latavius Murray's actually, I probably have him over David Johnson, not even kidding. Maybe that's super aggressive. That's spicy. As, but it's a weekly thing. It's not a season thing, but yeah. It's crazy to me that TJ Yeldon in half PPR is a top 10 uh, running back at both points and average points per week. Like no one ever talks about TJ Yeldon. He's and we're not going to going forward either. But, <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. I that's all I have a, to say about yeah. that. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, should we invite people to shred us on Twitter for whatever insanely obvious give terrible us, thing give we got wrong tears. about this? I mean, this this is a inexact science. If you agree, I think people should at me, and if people disagree, I think they should at Danny B Kelly for whatever he got wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you on Friday, DK. Sounds good.
We are so excited to be playing on FanDuel this football season, especially DK, because most of his teams are done. Over FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, they have tons of ways to play, like the Gridiron Pick'em Contest, where you just pick winners, no point spreads, and then $10,000 is split amongst the top pickers. Trust me, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. And new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with us at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That is fanduel.com slash the ringer. 